Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning, New Covenant. There we go. That's better. Hey, I need your interaction this morning. So we're going to play a little guessing game. I'm going to give you some facts. You're going to tell me what city I'm talking about. I haven't even said anything yet, but here we go. Wow, we're lively. Less caffeine for this side of the room. Murder rates per capita are one of the highest in the country. Well, hold on. There's a bunch more to go. Violent crime rates per capita are an all-time high in the country. Human and drug trafficking per capita are at an all-time high in the country. Sexual promiscuity, homosexuality, transgenderism are at an all-time high in that country per capita. Now, if I were to say 60 AD, the city is Ephesus. If I was to say 2022 AD, you hit it on the head. It's actually our hometown of Albuquerque. We are like in the top 10 in murder rates, violent crime rates, having one of the largest cartels slash terrorist organizations um, in the country. And so if anybody ever looks at you and says, does the Bible have any relevance in my life today? The answer is absolutely. And what is the only hope that Ephesus had? And what's the only hope that Albuquerque has today? It's Jesus. And that's it. There is no other hope. Well, believe it or not, God didn't give a plan B for how Jesus was going to be brought to Ephesus or Jesus was going to be brought to Albuquerque. There was a plan A and there was one plan and that was it. You know what that plan is? It's us. It's the church. We are the ones that are supposed to bring Jesus. Now, we are not amazing. We are not awesome. You're going to see on your sermon notes and up on the screen today, the title of today's message is The Majesty of the Church. The reason that the church is so majestic is not because of us, but because of who the king is. Remember, we're subjects underneath that king. And so we follow the most powerful king in the world, which we're going to read about. But that king puts great emphasis on his subjects or the bridegroom, as Jesus is described, puts great emphasis on his bride. So what a blessing it is to get to be subjects to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. What a blessing it is to get to be the bride of the most awesome bridegroom on all of the planet. Amen? That's exciting. So how much emphasis does he put on the church? Well, we're going to study this later, so I won't dive too far into it. But in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, Paul writes this for us. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This morning we're going to see in 12 verses in Ephesians chapter 3, four majesties of the church, four things that really set the church apart from any other people group on all of the planet. Now ultimately it all stems from one thing, it's Jesus, being the fact that he is our king. That's what separates us from every other people group on the planet. But then there's four other added blessings behind that that we get to be a part of as the church. How amazing is that? Would you do me a favor just in honor 
of our King. Would you stand while we read Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 12? Paul writes this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. You can have a seat. There is a whole lot wrapped up in this passage. While the church is definitely not perfect, God has some amazing plans for this body. God has some amazing plans for what he calls the bride of the bridegroom. Now granted, the church is not perfect. We're going to mess up. I'm going to fail you. Your leaders are going to fail you. You're going to fail each other. But here's the good news. We serve a God who made himself known in the person of Jesus who will never fail us. And so we get to worship and follow him with everything that we've got. Uh, we've had the privilege of having two girls in our lives that the Lord gave to us. My oldest is back from GCU, so excited to have her back. Um, you know, you talk about the world being a mess. It was just oh, less than a week ago that somebody decided to fire some stray bullets onto the campus and a young man got shot in the shoulder and I'm daddy going, okay, I'm six and a half hours away. I can't go protect her right now. I don't like this. And then just like a couple days later, she's like, hey, dad, then I went shopping at Target and I couldn't get in because it was all shut down because someone decided to um, do some armed robbery over at Target. And I'm like, welcome to Phoenix. Um, we were born and raised in San Diego, so we're kind of used to it, but now it's a little different because dad's not there. Well, good to know we know who's in charge. King of kings, Lord of lords, and I loved how she responded, dad, the world needs Jesus. Yes, it does. So I tell you what, church, let's go bring Albuquerque and Phoenix and wherever else we go, let's go bring them Jesus. What does that look like? Well, that's what we're starting to unpack this morning. I'm excited to take a look at what does this look like to go out and be an imperfect group of people that gets to bring a perfect savior into the world. What a blast that is. If anybody ever looks at you and says the Bible's boring or Christianity is boring, you've been reading the wrong book and hanging out with the wrong people. Because if anything, when I pick this book up and I read it, it is an adventure. From the beginning, God is speaking things into existence. Paul began to allude to it this morning. Not the Apostle Paul, Paul Moore the guy who's leading our worship now, said, hey, you know what? God put us in just the right place in order for our planet to be able to sustain life. We literally live on a razor's edge. 
If we were off just a little bit when it comes to gravitational force, distance from the sun, having a different size moon, we wouldn't be able to exist, but God put us in just the right place. That's the God that we serve. That's the king that we serve. He's in charge of all things. Even when Albuquerque's a mess, is God still in charge? Absolutely. And he sends a messed up people to go reach a bunch of messed up people. We're just messed up people that have Jesus. They get to go tell a bunch of messed up people about Jesus. Well, I don't want you to miss this. And I say this often, but again, in the words of Veggie Tales, what's the big idea of the morning? What's the one thing that we want to make sure we don't miss from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12? Here you go. This is it. The church is a majestic force of Christ followers that do what? Well, we're called to radically change the world because of who our king is. And you may be thinking, how am I ever going to change the world? Well, it's a little bit of a misnomer. You're not. Jesus is. But as you're going to see from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, he's going to do that through you. You and I, again, we're plan A. Jesus said, you are the one that I have chosen to use to go change the world to expand my kingdom, to grow the kingdom. Can I give you some really good news this morning? This mess that we're living in is all going to come to an end. Jesus really is coming back. Did you know that? Jesus, believe it or not, he's actually coming back. He wasn't lying to you when he said, I'm coming back. When Jesus was ascending into heaven and the angel said, don't worry, just as you saw him go, he's going to come again. He really is coming back. They weren't just making that up. In the meantime, he's left us here to continue to expand and grow his kingdom until he sets up his kingdom on planet Earth. So don't miss this. The church is a majestic force. You are a majestic force of Christ followers. You're called to radically change the world. Not because of who you are, but because of who your king is. My mission field or my fishing spot, one of them, has been the local gym. Living on the northwest side, we're not far from a gym called Choose Fitness, and I love getting in there and working out with people and just talking about Jesus. I was talking to a gal this morning who said that she's a Christian. It's always interesting because what does that mean sometimes? And I began to talk to her about Jesus and quickly found out that I don't think she really knows what it means to be a Christ follower. And as we talked, she said, you know, I'm spiritual but I don't believe in the whole organized religion thing. I said, great, neither do we. We just simply gather together to worship the King of Kings. We gather together to grow in our relationship with Jesus. She goes, yeah, I don't, but I don't need church. And my response was kind of threefold. Because I, I do have a response when somebody says to me, you know, I'm, I'm cool with being spiritual and stuff, but I, I'm not down with the whole church thing. Three things that I know. Number one, the scriptures talk about the church as what's called the ecclesia. The ecclesia is plural. It literally means called out ones. You are called out or set apart for a specific purpose, but you're called out to do that together, not on your own. So being the fact that the word ecclesia is used in the plural, it's really difficult to say I do church on my own out in the wilderness by myself. That doesn't constitute a church. If that's not enough, most of the Bible, Old and New Testament, were written to either tribes of people or churches, gatherings of people. Rarely ever to an individual. 
was Scripture written or given. And then again, if that's not enough, here's the third thing. All throughout the Scriptures, we're given all of these one another's. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Love one another. Serve one another. Together we're called to go out and make disciples of all nations. All of those are impossible to do as individuals. We need each other. Remember again, what's one of the things that the church is called? The bride of Christ. The bridegroom has a great love for the bride of Christ. I want you to imagine, or I'll imagine, you walk up to me and you say, Dave, you're pretty cool and I like hanging out with you, but I can't stand your wife. Let that sink in for a minute. I'm probably going to punch you in the face. Okay, not really. Don't think less of me. But the husbandly part creeps in and goes, well, if you don't like my wife, we're probably not going to be very good friends. Now imagine somebody looking at the bridegroom, Jesus, and saying, I'm okay with you, but I really don't like your wife. And Jesus is going to say, we're probably going to have a hard time being good friends. Because I love my wife so much, I love the bride so much, that I died for her. Jesus puts great emphasis on the church. It's important that you're here. I am super glad that you have chosen to be here on a Sunday morning. And again, it's not because we're important, but because of who we're worshiping. So together, let's take a look at the majesty of the church. Let's break this down together. Let's start with the first six verses of Ephesians chapter 3 again. And then let's take a look at the four majesties of the church this morning. So Paul starts off by saying this, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which is not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Here's the first thing that we see. The majesty of the church. What is it seen in? It's seen in her revealing the, the hidden secret of Christ. Him crucified, him resurrected, and him inviting all people in. Now this hidden secret or this mystery that's being spoken of is that the cross of Christ makes the playing field level for all people. That means it doesn't matter what you are racially. Jew, Gentile, black, white, American, African, Asian. It doesn't matter. The playing field gets leveled. All have equal access to God's throne room because of what Jesus has done. Again, not because of anything that we've done, but because of who he is. It crosses intelligence barriers. doesn't matter if you have a PhD or you dropped out of high school. The offer is wide open at the cross of Christ. It crosses sin barriers. Some of you all are still sitting in this room thinking, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done so the Lord Jesus could never forgive me. I could never be allowed into heaven. Gang, you don't know my past. If you did, you might think you shouldn't be a pastor. But prior to turning 21 and trusting Christ, I was not a good kid. Partied it up, did all kinds of bad things that I probably should have been arrested for. 
And yet, the Lord still gave me that free offer of salvation and forgiveness. And I praise the Lord that he crosses even those sin barriers. And he welcomes people in to his family. This would have been a radically new concept for the Jews. Remember, God called out Abram, who got his name changed to Abraham. What did Abram do? What made Abram so great that got him to be the father of the nation of Israel? What is it that he did? Nothing. In fact, it says he got called out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. If you study the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, they were a wicked people group that worshipped all kinds of false gods and got involved in all kinds of idolatry. And God says, Abram, I'm picking you out. I'm pulling you out of your father's and your grandfather's and your great-grandfather's land. I'm calling you out from worshipping those false gods. You're going to worship the God of the universe. Oh, and not only that, but from your loins are going to come a people group that are going to represent me to the nations. That was the point in God raising up the nation of Israel, was to go out and bring Yahweh to the nations. Instead, what did they end up doing as the years went by? They became this insulated group that thought they were better than everybody else, so instead of telling everybody about Yahweh, they decided to look down on and basically condemn everybody. And instead of spreading the good news of Yahweh, they kept it to themselves. The church has had a tendency to do that at times as well. I'm praying that is not the case for New Covenant, that we don't think that we are just better than everybody else that exists, but we recognize what we have been forgiven of. Then we go and we share that forgiveness with everybody. Now, in order to go out and equally love all people, that does not mean that we water down the gospel. We still make clear that sin is sin, and it's killing people. Human flourishing, the way that God designed mankind, was designed to be between one man and one woman. We won't water that down. Life, God is the creator of life. He decides when it begins. He decides when it ends. We will never water that down. The way that we talk about people and the way we use our tongue, the way that we use our money is all supposed to be to honor and glorify God. The way that we use our bodies is supposed to be used to honor and glorify God. We will never water any of that down. However, people that have been lied to and bought the lie of the enemy that we can live however we want without consequence are people that we still need to go out and love on and share the gospel with. I hope we're hearing this clearly. We would never water down the gospel. We will never water down sin. Sin kills. Sin separates. Sin hurts. But yet we're going to go and love on those people that have dove headlong into sin. You know why? Because we don't have to get bothered by those folks. We don't have to get angry at those folks because truth is on our side. Well, that's super politically incorrect. Because nobody's supposed to say that they've got all the truth. Well, I'm not saying it. Jesus did. Do you know what Jesus said when questioned about what is truth? What was his response? I am. Stop there for just a minute. Do you know what Jesus said every time he used the words I am? In the Greek, the words are ego I me. That is literally the Greek derivative of the Hebrew word Yahweh. 
Every time Jesus started with a statement, I am, or ego I me, do you know what Jesus just said? I'm God. So therefore, everything that I say after that is worthy of being listened to and followed. So Jesus says, ego I me, I am, and then when it came to truth, how did he respond? I am what? I am the way. Okay, pay attention because this is super important. That definite article matters. I, he didn't say, I am a way, a life and a truth. What did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Talking like that might get you killed. Guess what? It did. And Jesus said, that's okay. I'd rather that you know the truth and I die for it than let you believe a lie and just watch you go to hell while, I, while we smile about it. And I pray that we learn from the King of Kings, that we learn from Jesus, that I would rather go out and say things that are going to make people so angry that they might kill me for it, but at least they get to hear the gospel, than just smile and nod and act like everything is okay. Can I bring up something else that we don't like to talk about as churches and as congregations? You have to say yes, because I have a microphone and you don't. <laughs> Hell, it's a real place. And real souls are actually going to go there for a, a real eternity. That is a doctrine that entire churches and entire denominations have wiped out of the pulpit, of their statements of faith, because it pushes too many people away. But I find this to be a very interesting fact. For every one time that Jesus talked about heaven, he talked about hell three times. I'm thinking that there's probably a reason why the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and God in flesh made people aware of the fact that hell was a very real place. It's a very real place that we don't want people to go. And you and I, as part of the Bride of Christ and a part of this majestic group of people, we're called to go reveal Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, and Christ inviting all people in to know him everywhere we go. So go invite people that are part of the cartel. Go invite people that are at the gym. Go invite people when you're at Trader Joe's or Safeway or Albertsons or wherever you're shopping. Go invite them to know Jesus. Go tell them about how great your Jesus is. Let me ask you this morning, you don't have to stay quiet does anybody sitting in the room think that Jesus is majestic and amazing and worth following? Good. We're awake this morning. Let's move on. Look again at verse 1. Listen to what Paul says. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. How did Paul refer to himself? A prisoner for Christ Jesus. There's a term in Scripture that's used for a Christ follower more than any other term in Scripture. Y'all remember what it is? Doulos de Christos. If anybody knows Greek, you'll know what that means. Okay, I love the blank stares. Slave of Christ. That's the number one most used term, and Paul uses that of himself over and over again. I'm a slave of Christ. Look at verses 7 and 8. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The majesty of the church is also seen in her humble servants. The majesty of the church is seen in our humility. 
There are a lot of institutions that are built upon levels of greed. They're built upon levels of dominance, prestige. And Jesus calls the church to be something very different. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Mrs. Zebedee comes up to Jesus with her sons. And she kneels before him and she asks him for something. And he says, what is it that you want? She said, say to these two sons of mine who are sitting here that one gets to sit at your right hand and one gets to sit at your left when you bring your kingdom. Jesus answers, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? How do they respond? Sure, we're able. He says to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and sit at my left is not mine to grant. It's for those to whom it has already been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, so apparently ten of the disciples are hearing all of this, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers and the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We don't have to fight for dominance. We don't have to try to assert ourselves. We don't have to demand that we get all of these rights. We just simply humbly serve Jesus, knowing that one day we get to be co-heirs with him. We get to co-reign with Christ. Isn't that awesome? I don't know why he chose us to do so, but we get to come and be co-heirs with Christ. I don't know exactly what all of this is going to look like, but man, I can't wait. One day, the church is going to be raptured. We're going to get to be with Jesus. We're going to get to experience things like the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to get to be given gifts that we don't deserve, rewards that we don't deserve. And then on top of all that, at the second coming, we get to come back with him. He's going to set up this literal, literal thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth where it's going to be a theocracy. It's going to be Jesus reigning and ruling. And we get to come and be a part of that. Again, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but we get to be co-heirs with Christ. Anybody excited about that day? Man, I can't wait. Because I just gave you some statistics on what's going on in Albuquerque, and it doesn't look good. Like, Albuquerque's not looking good right now. You want to know what kind of mess Albuquerque's in? Just drive up and down Paseo. That's awesome. Man, you Albuquerque drivers, you're worse than San Diegans. It's awesome. We all need Jesus, and we need him bad, and we get to bring him all over the place. It's great. Well, listen to what else Paul says after being a humble servant, verses 8 through 10. He says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints. So Paul says, despite the fact that I am messed up beyond belief, he goes on to say, This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. Let me stop there. What's a mystery? It's something not yet revealed. So Paul says you have the privilege of getting to reveal or unveil that Messiah that's been talked about all throughout the Old Testament. Hidden for ages in God. Who created all things. So that through the church, so through us, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
here's how I decided to word this. The majesty, this is the third majesty of the church, it is seen when she lives as a heavenly showcase. Is it popping up on the screen for you all? Okay, there we go. The majesty of the church is seen when she lives as a heavenly showcase. What does that mean? That means that when my life and your life becomes all about Jesus being glorified, our lives have become a heavenly showcase. That means that when I stand up here before you, my goal is not that you walk out of this place going, wow, that pastor's amazing. What a great sermon. That's not what I want you to remember. Do you know what I want you all to remember? Jesus is majestic. Jesus is amazing. Jesus needs to be glorified. I might leave here today and get plastered by a truck. And you might need to start the search all over again for another pastor. Honestly, no big deal. It's about Jesus. It's not about personality cults. It's not about people. It's not about that Sunday school teacher that you have, that pastor that stands in the pulpit, your favorite elder, your favorite preacher on a podcast or whatever. It, it, if they're doing their job, we preach the gospel and then we die. What I mean by that is we preach the gospel and we get out of the way. So that what you remember is not Dave or David Adkins or Steve Stucker or Mark Fortney or anybody else that has stood in this pulpit and preached the gospel. You don't remember us. You remember Jesus. That's our job. Your job, whether you are a preacher, pastor, or somebody that is coming here weekly to hear the preacher or pastor, is to leave this place, go preach the gospel in such a way that people don't remember you, but they remember Jesus. It would be great if at your funeral people had a lot of good things to say about you. But ultimately, I hope and I pray that our goal is that when we die, the one thing that people have to say about us is that whenever I came in contact with that person, they couldn't shut up about Jesus. That's what I'm hoping and I'm praying for New Covenant Church. Well, there are a couple of ways that God is using the church as a heavenly showcase. And I've kind of alluded to them, but I'm going to hit on them just a little bit more. One, he's making known the message of the gospel to all of mankind. God wants to use the church to make known the gospel to all of mankind. What is the gospel? Remember, the gospel's quite simple, and I always narrow it down to five things, because I think these are vitally important. The gospel tells us where we came from, why we're here, what's gone wrong with the world, how it can be fixed, and where we're going. Remember, we should be able to give the gospel in about 30 seconds. I call it the elevator presentation of the gospel. The gospel presentation in about 30 seconds is this simple. There is a God outside of time, space, and matter that created all things. He created us for the purpose of bringing him honor and glory. You and I do not bring him honor and glory. We have destroyed our relationship with him through sin. But in love for us, he pursued us in the person of Jesus Christ, paying the penalty for all of our sins, past, present, and future, by dying on a cross and then powerfully rising again from the dead. And we can now be in heaven with him forever because of what Jesus did on our behalf. About 30 seconds, that's the gospel in a nutshell. 
That is what we are supposed to go out and do, is make the gospel known to all of mankind. But if you take a look at letter B, he's also making known his wisdom to the angels in the heavenly realm. We don't talk a lot about angels in the church either, but did you know that the, the Bible describes the angels quite in depth? There are orders of angels, there are ranks of angels, there are six-winged angels called seraphim, there are four-winged angels called cherubim. Satan himself was once a cherubim angel. Uh, there, there are all kinds of things that we, that we talk about when it comes to angels in Scripture. And believe it or not, they're watching. How are God's redeemed people acting and reacting? And there are both fallen angels and God's messengers that are constantly watching. We're not going to get into this because it's a whole theology in itself, but fallen angels or demons are looking to influence us on a consistent basis. They want you to buy lies. They're trying to feed them into you on a consistent basis. Don't buy the lie. Keep going back to Scripture. But think of some of the lies that we buy into. Sometimes it's just ourself and our stupid brains saying things or believing things. Sometimes there are demons that are trying to influence how we think and how we feel, but you'll never measure up. Well, remember, Satan and his demons will always tell half-truths. On our own, he's right. We will never measure up. But who we are in Christ radically changes things. And that's good news for us today. In fact, it leads us into our fourth point, which is found in verses 11 through 12. It says, This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. The majesty of the church is seen when we live in our higher strength, not our strength, our higher strength, which is Jesus himself. The words in the original Greek language for working of his power come really from two Greek words which literally mean to function with explosive effect. That is a far cry from how most Christians live their lives on a daily basis. Usually, Christians show up on a weekly basis. They're at church. Let's just get this over with so I can go home and watch a football game. And then I'll get up and I'll go to church on Monday, or I'll go to work on Monday. And I hate Mondays, but I just want to survive the week so that I can get to Saturday and watch college football. And then I'll sit through church again on Sundays because I'm supposed to, and the wife won't get nagging me. And then I'll go home and I'll watch football again. That is a far cry from how we're supposed to operate. As a body of believers, I would hope that if you know who Jesus is, and listen, I hit on this already earlier this morning, but if you know who Jesus is, and you know how exciting his word is, you got the God of the universe speaking everything into existence. Again, if we were to probe the universe through the Hubble Deep Space Telescope, it's fascinating what's out in the universe. And God simply spoke that into existence. Now we get to walk with him, talk with him, go directly to his throne room because of what Jesus has done. Is that boring? Dang, I got a lot of caffeine in my system this morning. But this is exciting. That is who we worship. And then we serve that great God who said, you know what? Not only am I going to create you, not only, only am I going to create the entire universe, but now I'm going to enter into my creation and I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to show you what it looks like to be a man or to be a woman that honors me above all else. That's being a heavenly showcase. That's exciting. But then he says, not only am I going to go be with you, I'm going to be with you. 
Like, not just walking beside you, but I'm going to take up residence inside you. Galatians 2.20, you all remember that? I love that verse so much, I had it tattooed on my body, so I don't forget. Somebody help me out here. Galatians 2.20 says what? I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who was present at creation, the one who was present before creation, the one who has been present for all of eternity, who is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, who is omnipresent in all places at all times in the totality of his being, the one who is omniscient, which means he knows all things, takes up residence in the life of one who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Do you see why the church is a majestic force called out to go and spread the good news of the gospel and grow God's kingdom? Are you seeing the force, the explosive effect that is now at work within the church? I hope you're beginning to see that. I hope and I pray that as a result of what we are doing together this morning, you have a greater love and a greater appreciation for the church that God has raised up to go and live with explosive effect. I hope that you're excited about who you are, who you have been called to be in Christ. Again, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are and who you are in Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. In fact, I would encourage you that if you're a note taker, jot down Romans 6, 12 through 14 and specifically memorize verse 13 this week. But Romans 6, 12 through 14 says this, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace." Normally, I read from the ESV. The ESV translates this passage, offer your bodies as instruments to God. Allow yourselves to be used as instruments for righteousness. The Holman Christian Standard Bible translates it weapons. The direct translation from the Greek is the word weapons. I love that. God is using the church to do some damage. I use damage in a good way. He's using it to do some damage against the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to go back to what we talked about in the beginning. Albuquerque is a mess. We got a huge cartel here. We got a huge drug trafficking and human trafficking issue here. We got a huge murder rate issue here. We got a huge violent crime rate issue here. God says, go out and do some damage for the kingdom in a good way. Did you know that you actually don't have to fear the cartel? Did you know that you actually don't have to fear those people that just seem to hate those that are Christians? Did you know that you don't have to fear those that, that try to develop smear campaigns against Christians on social media? Did you know you don't have to fear any of that? Do you know why? God of the universe is living inside of his kids. That is an amazing thing. There are two results that you and I can get 
from Jesus taking up residence in our life. The first that he speaks about in verse 12 is boldness. We can actually live with boldness because of who Jesus is in us. But here's the second thing that we get as a blessing. Not only do we get some boldness, but we get direct access to God. I love the word that's used there in verse 12 when he talks about access. We are given boldness and access with confidence. Again, going back to the Greek verbiage that's used here, that word access that's used is being used in the term of a common person being granted an audience with a dignitary or a king. Did you know that because of Jesus, you have been granted an audience with the creator of the universe? That you and I get to go directly to God's throne room? I may have mentioned this before, but our logo for New Covenant, I don't know if you know what that is, what that logo is, it's actually the torn veil in the temple from top to bottom for years and years and years the Jews thought to themselves we don't have any direct access to God Jesus comes along and says well, I'm going to give you direct access to God watch what I'm about to do for you well let's quickly go through what living out the majesties of the church are I'm going to go quickly through our four points this morning and the first is this Proclaim the hidden secret of the gospel. Gang, to live out the majesties of the church, go proclaim the hidden secret of the gospel. The word proclaim or preach is the word keruso. It literally means go proclaim victory. Let the world know that Jesus has secured the victory because he defeated sin and death. He's the victor. Let's go be humble servants of the gospel. Let's remind ourselves daily that we're supposed to go love people in our neighborhood, in our workplace, at the store. Let's just go love on people and not worry about their response. Well, I don't want to be nice to my neighbor. He or she treats me like garbage. I don't want to be nice to my, to my boss. He or she treats me like garbage. I tell you what, if we could find a way to be so, so secure in who we are in Christ, we don't have to be bothered by what people think, say, or do anymore. Listen, we're never going to get there completely. On the personality scale, y'all ever done one of those personality tests? There's like choleric, phlegmatic, uh, melancholy, and sanguine. Y'all know those? I'm like sanguine through and through. If you don't know what that means, if you did them like animals, there's like lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever. I'm otter through and through. The happy... I I want people to get along. I like to work together as a team. I annoy myself so I don't like being alone. I like to annoy other people. It's way more fun. I don't like it when people aren't happy. I don't like it when people say nasty things. But the Lord has had to teach me throughout the years that it is better to have people unhappy with you than have the creator of the universe offended and unhappy with you. So I would rather go out and please him. We're going to do that by living as a heavenly showcase of the gospel and not a heavenly showcase of ourselves. And then lastly, again, remember, let's operate out of the higher power of the gospel. This is a hard call this morning because these are some hard things to do. Good luck with proclaiming the hidden secret of the gospel, being a humble servant, living as a heavenly showcase, and operating out of the higher power of the gospel on your own. You and I don't do that well. Have you noticed? Any of y'all sinned this week? A few of you didn't say yes, so you're liars. And you just sinned in church. Way to go. 
We struggle with living a life that honors and pleases God. In fact, you and I will never honor and please God on our own. So how do we live a life that honors and pleases God? Get out of the way and let Jesus be known. Ask yourself this week, is this bringing honor and glory to myself or is this bringing honor and glory to Jesus? I'm going to invite our worship team. Come on back up here. Uh, we're going to sing a final praise song to the Lord, but I want to spend a moment. Can I just pray for us as a church body? This is a hard, again, hard call this morning. These are hard things to live out. Let me rephrase that. These are impossible things to live out unless Jesus is doing them through us. Let me pray for us this morning that we would get out of the way so that Jesus can be made known. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for the fact that you have called us as your bride. You have called us as your subjects to be a people group that bring you the honor and the glory that you deserve. And we know that we will never do that on our own. So would you remind us, not even on a daily basis, but on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, to step out of the way so that people see you, Jesus, and not us. Lord, we love you. We praise you for who you are. We praise you as King. We praise you as Lord. We praise you as our Savior and as our Creator. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all pray together. Amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. Have a great week.